With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another edition of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Your heroes in hypocycloids are now 7-7-1, seven, seven, and one, but firmly in position to make their move if they could find a way to win their next two contests, and they are against division rivals Cleveland and Baltimore, who have been floundering as of late, just like your men of steel. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it's time for Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. And this show is nothing, I tell you, nothing without the man in my speakers right now. His name is KT Smith, the coach with the most. What's up, my man? Brian, doing great. Doing great. Enjoying enjoying some downtime now. It's my uh, Christmas break, so I hope you had a great Christmas, and uh, I'm kind of Getting fat and lazy now uh, this week, so I'll have to work that off uh, in the new year. Well, see, I beat you to it. I got fat and lazy about 27 years ago, but <laughs> hey, we're all late bloomers, so that's no problem. <laughs> there's, there's, hope for, there's hope for me still. Oh, de- definitely. Definitely, okay. my man. You know, I've been off as well, and it's great, and I hope you've had a great week and a half or so off with your family and uh, a few more days, because I know I have, and it's just a wonderful time of year. This uh this week after Christmas is actually, uh, it's awesome. It really is. It's like, it might be my favorite week of the year. It's just such a, a nice time to unwind after being so busy. I mean, the, you know, from the time for me, when time school starts till now, it's just like a three and a half month sprint. So I've been, I've been, you know, my, what my, uh, my guilty pleasure has been this break. I've been binge watching like literally until about two, two, two thirty in the morning, almost every night, uh, rewatching the wire which is uh you're a Maryland guy. So, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I just, uh, yeah. So I, I haven't watched it since I watched it, you know, when it first was on back in the mid two thousands. So it's been pretty cool to watch such a great show again, you know, to have an appreciation for it. And the other appreciation you get out of it is like, eh, we would never last in prison, no matter how tough we think we are. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try my best to stay out of prison. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I watch orange is the new black and I'm like, yeah, I couldn't last in a woman's prison. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I really enjoy, you know, being able to, uh, have some, they're my regular freedoms. I'm going <laughs> to 
that should be required watching in yeah. in the high schools maybe <laughs> yeah talk about scared straight right hey you you aren't kidding well speaking of scared straight if you watched the kansas city chiefs beat up on the pittsburgh steelers you would have thought that they deserve 20 to life because man it was uh it was a beat down and it was almost criminal how bad the steelers played as well and hoping that there's going to be a change from week 16 to week 17. And first question I'm going to ask you, Kevin, is with the Cleveland Browns coming to town for Monday night football, very late, one of the latest Monday night football games you're ever going to see being the fact that it's going to be January 3rd. That's very rare. So with that being said, Kevin, can the Steelers be one of those teams that are almost bipolar in a way and, continue that trend just looking looking in the basement one minute and finding a way to win and shock the world the next oh absolutely they certainly can and this is not just any game obviously the news came down this week that ben roethlisberger publicly stated that he anticipates that this will be his last start ever at heinz field which certainly indicates that He's thinking heavily on retirement and it doesn't seem likely that the Steelers will get another home game. So there's a really good chance that this is it for, for big Ben. And uh, the fact that he gets to make that start against Cleveland is poetic. I mean, he's a guy who was raised in Ohio, went to college in Ohio and has owned the Browns has a career record of 25, three and one against the Browns. That's pretty amazing. And uh, so I think that the stadium will just be electric. I think that the Steelers fans understand that this is probably at Heinz Field, his swan song. And, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh went to Kansas City last week like uh, like a dead man walking, you know. I mean, they didn't, they didn't play with any energy and they didn't really – they came out of the gates. They gave up a touchdown drive to Kansas City, turned the ball over. Kansas City scored again. Six minutes into the game, it's 14-0, and you knew the game was over. And um, – and so I expect the opposite of that. I expect an incredibly charged up atmosphere, a fired up football team and, and uh, you know, a crowd that understands the moment. They definitely will. And I'm in the camp that Ben is not contemplating retirement on his own. I have the feeling that he is feeling that, Art Rooney will not cave this time around and that the Steelers are going to make the decision on him. Um, it almost seems like, yeah, he's uh, you notice he's not saying the last game of his career. He's saying him the last game in Heinz field. He has not said retirement, everybody around him, everybody that we're listening to, even us, we've been saying retirement, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I see it going down a little differently but I also foresee it as probably being his last game in Heinz field. Do you think he still wants to play? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. Because man, let me ask you this. Say it all falls apart tomorrow and you find you find the high school saying, Hey, uh, we're going in a different direction which I'm hoping that will never happen. I mean, I don't foresee that happening, but say they do, you're going to feel like you have a whole heck of a lot left. And for somebody like Ben Roethlisberger, Ben's post-football days are not clear. 
it's not like Drew Brees where people are going and Peyton Manning were where networks are going to fight for him to be in their booth. It's not like he is an advertising phenom either because of some of the transgressions and some of the controversy early on in, in his career. So it almost, and this is not belittling because um, Ben Roethlisberger, because I thought he has had, he has made a great turnaround and Ashley Roethlisberger has a lot to do with that too. And I, I really feel like he is a great, a first class citizen now, but the, uh, the football world around him, it's not, he's not going to walk right into a booth. So, you know, yes, he would want to spend a lot of time with his family, but if you feel that you've got something left and you're not going out on your own terms, I know it would be like that for me, Kevin. I would want to have a say in it. And if I wanted to do something more, I would find a place that would, would take me and ply my trade once more. Yeah. I mean, those are all you know great points. I just, I just think it would be, it would be really tricky for him to find that situation outside of Pittsburgh because he would have to find an organization that is willing to really change their offense and cater it to what he does at this point in his career. And we know as Steelers fans and as, you know, having closely watched him now for the last few years, that there are significant limitations to his game. I mean, what, what, what he does, he's still great at, but what he does is also not really in line with a lot of the trends that exist in football right now. And if you're an established team, you don't need Ben Roethlisberger for the most part uh, coming on board. And if you're an up and coming team, there's a pretty good chance that you're running an offense that looks very, very different from what he likes to do. So it would be really, really interesting to see if he wanted to keep playing outside of Pittsburgh, where that might be. I mean, what kind of a starting opportunity would he have? That, that, that'll be very interesting to follow. But I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, obviously. But Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to say one last thing. Years from now, you want a trivia question. You are going to stump a lot of people when you ask the last four teams that Adrian Peterson played for in his career right now, it's the Seattle Seahawks, the Tennessee Titans, the Detroit lions and the Washington football team. So when you look at something like that, I mean, you're going to be hard pressed to say, wow, he played for them. If I were to ask you right now, Warren moon, who was the last team he played for? I might struggle with that. I know Minnesota and Seattle, they were in there. There were a few other locales. So it, it's really funny when that happens. You, you picture a guy so many years in one uniform, but even the Johnny Unitas's of the world put on a Chargers uniform. You know, so, I mean, it, it has to be up to the player, too. So I'm listening intently, and I'm listening for holes in what's going on. And I don't want to be single-sided when I say, yeah, he's going to retire because that's not the words coming out of Ben Roethlisberger's mouth. And Ben right. Roethlisberger's smart. He's really careful on how he's saying it. Remember just last week, he said, well, I didn't tell everybody I was going to do this. Now, he did say something today, but I don't know if I heard the word retirement. And if I did, I, I'd love to be corrected. Yeah. You know, it's funny as you were saying that, 
I, I got a, a, an image in my head of Franco Harris in a Seattle Seahawks uniform. Yep. And that was one of the saddest things I've ever seen in football. Because like when Rod Woodson left, he still had some really good football in him. He went on and won a Super Bowl. He, he went on and was a Pro Bowl player. Uh, but when Franco left, he was a shell of Franco. And, and he went to what was at the time pretty much an expansion franchise. And, and it just looked so bad. And I just, I would hate to see that for Ben, for Ben Roethlisberger. I would, I, I, you can't necessarily say he's going out on top because he's not really at the top of this game anymore, but he's still, if he goes out now, he's still going out as uh, a, a solid NFL quarterback with an awful lot to be, to be, you know, proud of. He can hold his head high and say, you know, I really, I really did go out when I was still a valuable player, but I'd hate to see him kick around for a couple more years and put on a few more uniforms and just kind of go out in the way that, you know, we remember Franco going out. And I agree with you wholeheartedly because as fans, we have the nostalgia of it, but you forget there's a man there and I go back to you and I, and it's just like, I, I'm not going to care who I'm disappointing if, tomorrow i have to go work at arby's to support my family or to support my own mind you know what i'm right. saying yeah yeah now imagine if going to work at arby's they were willing to pay you 25 million dollars for the you know that's the other thing to think about is or unlimited beef like, and cheddars i might be going uh, is that yeah what are they, they're, they they weigh about the same in the big picture <laughs> but if <laughs> But if they, if, I mean, somebody who's willing to say to Ben Roethlisberger, you know, we'll give him $25 million next year. I mean, then, then maybe he'd just say, sure. That'd be pretty hard to say no to. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. And there's got to be a franchise out there that can do it. You know, I mean, what about a team like the Houston Texans? Maybe they do something. I mean, there's always a team that could find, just find a place and say, hey, we don't have a stable. We're, we're going young. We're going to try to bring in somebody young here. And in their situation, they've got Davis Mills. You know, we need somebody to uh, to just be at the helm for a little bit while we season this guy. Or maybe somebody's drafting a quarterback. It's, it's a really interesting situation. But that is not the only thing that's going to be happening in Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. I know that is the huge landscape. Of the evening, and everybody's going to be talking about it. ESPN is going to lead off with it. It is going to be ESP Ben. It really, I mean, that's that's the way it is going to be on Monday night. But there's also two teams looking to make the playoffs. Two desperate teams. Two teams that whichever one loses is pretty much gone. I don't know if they're going to be mathematically eliminated, but yeah, most likely they are. And then you get into the dumb and dumber Lloyd Christmas. So you say there's a chance and that's exactly what you're, you're going to be looking at in that game. You've got a team in the Cleveland Browns that are seven and eight. The Steelers are a half a game ahead of them at seven, seven and one. Both teams have been beat up with injuries. Both teams have not played to their full potential, both teams hate each other, and both teams are going to relish ending the other team's season. The Steelers have the advantage because they are at home. 
They have been really hot their last six games at home, going 5-0-1. Unfortunately, that one has really changed the season for this team. If they had that one in the other ledger, you're looking at an 8-7 and seven team, and it's a better situation. But Kevin, when we look at these teams, who's coming in more desperate? Well, Cleveland seasons is is a hundred percent over if they if they lose. There's nobody's making the playoffs at eight and nine in the AFC. So if they lose and go to seven and nine, they're they're definitely done. And the odds, obviously, the odds of the Steelers getting in at eight eight and one are pretty slim too. So so both teams are are up against it uh, as far as that that's concerned. I think Cleveland's a little bit more desperate simply because missing the playoffs this year would be a bigger blow to Cleveland than it would to Pittsburgh. Well, while the Steelers are certainly a proud franchise and the Steelers always have high expectations, uh, I think that any objective fan can look, can think about this year and say, we had to sort of expect this to be a bit of a year of regression for the Steelers. They, they, you know, won those first 11 games last year, but then with the way the season ended, losing five out of their last six, and then understanding coming into this year, we would have, you know, a totally rebuilt offensive line, a, an almost completely new offensive coaching staff, uh, a rookie running back, holes in various places on the defense. Um, Roethlisberger, again, at 39 years old uh, with, with certain limitations. I, I think people probably understood that while we hoped that the Steelers would make the playoffs, that it would, it, you know, they, they were going to regress a little bit from where they'd been last year. On the other hand, if you're a Cleveland fan, you had to have tremendously high hopes for this season. I mean, think about last year in Cleveland. They, they make the playoffs for the first time since 2002. They win their first playoff game since 1995. They made a couple of splashy free agent signings. They bring in Jadavian Clowney and Malik Jackson. And, you know, they, they're, they're the consensus pick to win the AFC North. They're a popular pick to get to the Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield's making, you know, a million stupid commercials. I mean, they've got to feel like they're a serious Super Bowl contender. And for them to now be facing what is essentially an elimination game uh, in Pittsburgh is, is really, really uh, a big deal for that franchise. So, so while both teams are desperate, if one has to be more desperate, I think it's Cleveland. And it's funny because the more desperate team that you mentioned is still favored at this particular juncture to win this ball game. I don't know if the Ben Roethlisberger news and his talk with the press on Thursday changed anything, but right now you're looking at the fact that the Steelers are underdogs at home. And remember, they have not lost on Monday night football since October of, of 1991. I love when the Steelers are, are underdogs at home. I think that they, that they feed off of that. I mean, uh, us against them and backs against the wall Steelers are my favorite version of the Steelers because I think that they, they, they cherish that role, especially when they're at home. I think it means something to them to, to be able to you know, defend their home field. And obviously with Cleveland coming in and we know what happened the last time Cleveland was here. I mean, there's going, I'm certainly, there's going to be an awful lot of that talk this week. Uh, the playoff game last January which was, you know, just a totally demoralizing loss for the Steelers. You know, you and I talked about this in an earlier podcast 
this season. Just just the image of Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey on the on the bench together after that game was you know heartbreaking. And uh, I think so for the Steelers to to look at this contest and uh, understand that this the stakes here with Roethlisberger and the memory of last year's playoff game. Uh, that Cleveland's favored in that game is going to be something that resonates with them. So, Kevin, let me ask you this. Who has to go ahead and take the reins? Like I said, we expect Ben Roethlisberger to have a good game in this contest, but he's going to need some help on the offensive side of the ball. Who is your number one contender for starring in this game? And since this is a Monday night football game and we have not spoken about it, and I want to mention it right now, we lost a legend in the game in John Madden the other day. So, yeah, I want to talk about John Madden and the legacy that he had in the world of football and in the Steelers uh, history as well, being the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, being involved in the Immaculate Reception, all of that, and being the fact that he was the analyst for Monday Night Football for ABC for years, and he had the Madden Cruiser because he didn't fly, and you always put an MVP on the side of that bus for every single game besides Ben Roethlisberger. I expect Ben Roethlisberger to be a candidate for it, but on offense, you're going to have to have another one who is going to have to take control of the bus. Yeah. I, we, we always talk about the offensive line and that that's obviously a, a unit where you don't really give individual awards. They have to sort of perform well together. Obviously they're a huge, a huge issue. But when I think back to the first game with Cleveland uh, the Steelers really utilized their tight ends well I mean that Zach Gentry had his biggest receiving game of, of his career uh, Pat Fryermuth had a great game and I would expect Cleveland to try to counter that in some way shape or form anytime you get into a rematch game you know you look at you look at what happened in the first game and you say well what did your opponent do well and then you move around your chess pieces to try to to try to neutralize that so if Cleveland is going to try to take away Pittsburgh's tight end passing game, then that means the Steelers are going to have to be able to win one-on-one matchups outside. So for me, then that puts the onus on Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Those two guys have to really show up. They've got to be able to get themselves off of man coverage, which I expect to see because everybody, you know, seems to want to press the Steelers. Uh, and they want to, you know, and they're going to have to be able to, to, to make big plays when those big plays are, are there to be made. There's really probably uh, only a few, maybe two, three, four at most opportunities in a game that you get to really hit a big play. And the Steelers are going to have to be able to do that. And I, uh, my sense is that those, that those plays are going to come on the outside uh, to Johnson and Claypool as opposed to. Uh, to the tight ends based upon what Pittsburgh was able to do in the first game. Why are we seeing so much of Ray Ray McLeod? Mike Tomlin mentioned the other day that, well, 18 and 11 are covered. Do you buy that? Or is he a part of this game plan? Well, they don't, I don't think that they, he, he, Ray Ray McLeod brings something to the receiving core that they don't have, which is that quick shifty hybrid slot guy. Now Deontay Johnson can play in there. And, and he has a quick twitch like nobody else on the team. But he's trained as an outside receiver, Johnson, and he's, I think he's most comfortable as an outside receiver. So with Juju Smith-Schuster's absence, which, by the way, side note, uh, I, I know Juju Smith-Schuster 
is probably tremendously disappointed uh, in losing his season and thus perhaps losing the significant payday that he was hoping for as a free agent. But if I'm his agent, the one thing that I'm taking to the open market, if, if Juju so chooses to hit the open market, is how much value the Pittsburgh offense lost in his absence. I mean, his absence is a glaring deficiency right now in this offense because we're talking about Ray Ray McLeod as the slot guy. And to answer your question, we're seeing a lot of Ray Ray because, again, he's doing some of those slot things that Juju Smith-Schuster would do. But no offense to Ray Ray McLeod, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a far superior, far superior uh, football player and specifically slot receiver. And, uh, you know, if I'm his agent, I'm going to the open market and saying, look, man, the, the Pittsburgh offense was suffered dramatically when Juju left because they didn't have a guy to play this role. Uh, so, I mean, that's why we're seeing Ray Ray. And, and again, man, he, I think he's doing the best that he can. I don't think he's a poor football player, but he's definitely not a dynamic one. And, and, he's, and he's certainly not Juju. Absolutely. I could not agree more. In fact, that was going to be my next question. How much does this team miss Juju Smith-Schuster? And you just beat me to it. And so let's talk about the Browns a bit here. How broken is Baker Mayfield? And Nick Chubb, is he the biggest threat on this team? Or is Donovan People-Jones so important to the squad as well? So Mayfield, I feel like I could talk about for a while because he's kind of fascinating to me. I mean, he's He's uh, I, I, I joked about his commercials earlier, but I mean, here he's a guy who's got a nationwide commercial series with progressive. And we've all seen his Baker Mayfield at home commercials or whatever. But those those commercial sl- uh, slots, they tend to go to superstars. And, and he's not. I think people anticipated that he would be a superstar in 2020. He had a really nice year in 26 touchdowns against just eight interceptions and he had his highest QBR of his career and he led the Browns to their first playoff win in a generation. So, I mean, there was all this anticipation that he would make that leap and he has not, and it hasn't just been on the field. I mean, he, he's, he's got problems on the field. He he's always had, uh, I hesitate to, to use the word hubris in describing him, but when you watch some of his throws, he makes throws that he believes he can make, that he cannot make. And uh, there was one in their game last week against Green Bay, which was it turned out to be a killer. Uh, you know, they lost by two. And I'm not talking about the interception at the end of the game um, where, where there might have been pass interference against the Packers. I'm talking about the one right before halftime with uh, Cleveland down by two and driving in the, in the last two minutes before the half. And Mayfield uh, gets flushed out of the pocket and is rolling to his left. So he's a right-handed quarterback rolling to his left, which is always a hard throw to make. And he attempts to throw a a wheel route without setting his feet 30 yards down the field. And Jarvis Landry's broken broken opener, so it seems. um, But Green Bay's kind of disguising their coverage, and Mayfield doesn't realize it. But just the fact that he thought he could make that throw. Uh, and of course he can't, and this and the corner comes off of his coverage and picks it, and that's the end of the drive. Uh, is an indication to me that he's got a, a, you know, sometimes we say, oh, he's a gunslinger, and that's meant to be a compliment, but it's not necessarily a compliment when you can't do it. And there's just some times when Baker Mayfield puts himself into terrible positions because of you know his inability to reel himself in, 
And that's just shown up way too much this year for Cleveland. And then you, then you throw on top of that, the fact that there have been some very highly publicized beefs, so to speak with his teammates. I mean, several teammates have criticized him publicly, even their fathers have criticized him publicly. Then Mayfield, went public with a statement about there being internal discord within the organization that Kevin Stefanski had to come out and try to walk back. Uh, and, and then there was a report that Mayfield's receiving death threats from Cleveland fans. So, I mean, you, you, you roll all that together uh, in your franchise quarterback, who's supposed to be a superstar because he's out there making, you know, na- nationwide commercials for a major corporation. And uh, it's, it's complicated, man, because his contract's up after, after next year. And so here's a guy who, who, who they're treating like a superstar, but Cleveland's got like a really complicated decision as to whether or not they're going to actually renew his contract. Is he going to be their guy? That's an interesting question. And so a lot is on the line for Baker Mayfield in these last two weeks for Cleveland. All right. I'm going to break the internet right here. I'm going to say it. <laughs> 2023 Baker Mayfield. Number six is in black and gold, whether any oh, of us. <laughs> I just got a shiver down my spine. <laughs> I said that last night on a show as well. And I've, uh, yeah, I think I'm receiving death threats now, but <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about the, uh, this offense need, needs to succeed. And we know how great Nick Chubb is. We don't even have to explain that. Stopping him is, even if you give up 120 yards on the ground to this guy, that might be stopping him. Cause I think he's one of the cream of the league, but when they throw and they get somebody open and when they're King on the run and they throw to a guy like Donovan people's Jones, we know about Jar- Jarvis Landry, but people's Jones is the one that could break you deep. Is he the most dangerous on this football field for the Browns besides that man we just talked about? He benefits from having Landry in the lineup because Landry draw, draws a lot of attention. So Peoples Jones gets a lot of one on one. He also benefits from Nick Chubb uh, because defenses will drop safeties down. And, and when they do that, obviously, then they're they're challenging offenses to be able to, to win outside. And, and he can do that. He's he's definitely dangerous. For me, though, it's it's still it starts with Nick Chubb. You know, the Steelers did a great job in the first matchup. They they held Chubb to sixty some yards rushing. They held Cleveland under hundred yards rushing. I mean, Pittsburgh actually outrushed Cleveland in that first matchup. It's one of the only times all year where the Steelers won time of possession, uh, won total yardage on the ground, and so they did a great job. And they didn't really do it necessarily by by being overly exotic. I mean, they weren't taking huge chances. It wasn't like they were. Uh, you know, playing with Terrell Edmonds in the box all the time. Um, they just they just did a great job fundamentally. They did a great job when they played their three down line, their base three, four. Uh, Isaiah Bugs actually had a pretty good game against uh, Cleveland. They, they got to the quarterback. They had four sacks of Mayfield. Uh, and they were just just very, very fundamentally sound and fundamentally disciplined. And so, so if you take Chubb away, then – you know, you can kind of get Cleveland into some situations where they have to take some chances. So while I'm sure they'll look for some play action shots to people's Jones or to Landry, uh, I think the Steelers have to be able to live with that because if they don't take away Nick Chubb, then Cleveland's going to run it down their throat. Like so many teams have done the last few weeks. And we've seen what happens when the other team gets their run game going. Let's talk about the defense real quick. Miles Garrett, how are they going to stop them? They had some 
they had an exposed Dan Moore Jr., but did enough of a job last time around. Are they going to add something to the equation to uh, keep number 95 at bay? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you, you know, you can always do the, the, the things that teams do when they are worried about an elite pass rusher, chip them with the back, you know, bring it, keep a tight end in and, and, and help with them, et cetera. But like I said, with the defense, they neutralized Miles Garrett in the first game without having to get overly exotic. They didn't have to completely neutralize Najee Harris as a receiving threat because he was staying in the backfield to, to help on Garrett every, every uh, passing snap. Uh, it's just got to be good, solid, fundamental football. I thought Dan Moore played really, really well. His, his pro football focus score for the first game was terrible. And I really had a, a, a tough time with that because when I went back and, and rewatched that game, I saw him get beat one time on a sack and then I saw him correct. I saw him, you know, do a better job of getting out of his stance, staying low, keeping square, using his hands. I mean, he did it. He got better as the game went on. And that's usually like the opposite against an elite, an elite rusher. You know, usually the elite rusher, will figure out as the game goes on where the weaknesses are in that lineman that he's up against. But with Moore, it was kind of the opposite. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not saying Dan Moore has uh, Miles Garrett figured out. Garrett could go off at any time. But I just think that the Steelers will mix it up, uh, you know, do a little bit of a little bit of everything, a little bit of back, a little bit of the tight end, uh, a little bit of one-on-one -on -one where they hope that Moore just, just is able to hold up. And uh, and they'll you know they'll they'll do their thing on offense. So so yeah, Garrett's a major concern, but I don't think the Steelers are going to completely alter their game plan for him. All right, that's that's very interesting stuff, and I can't wait to see it. It's prediction time. I'm going to say 23 to 20. The Steelers. I know I'm tired of picking the Steelers and uh, being wrong, but I've had a little bit of luck with that. But I've got to continue on that bandwagon. I just have that feeling. What's your feeling, Kevin? Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm going to go uh, 2017 Steelers. Don't think it'll be a high-scoring game, but I do think that they're going to send uh, send number seven out on a on a hero's exit. That is awesome, and I hope that's what we're talking about. And we are going to be back here next week, Kevin and I, talking about the Baltimore Ravens and that finale, and hopefully we are talking about a playoff berth, and we're on here two weeks from now as well. But before we get out of here, I got to say happy new year to my good friend, Kevin. I hope you had a wonderful holiday and it continues and have a great 2022 and you're going to be alongside me here. Yeah, I'm excited, man. And, uh, Hey, I hope 2022 is a, is a great year to, for everybody out there. Cause we certainly know the last couple of years have been challenging in a lot of ways. So hope it's great for the Steelers. Hope it's great for everybody listening. Well, we're just going to say 20 Najee because 2022. <laughs> <laughs> there you go for kevin smith my name is brian anthony davis here we go it's the steelers pregame show yeah i gotta grab that terrible towel twirl it around and start rooting <laughs>